Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on Single Handedly. I'm Thomas. And I'm Nick. And we're your host today. And we've got today a very interesting conversation um, uh, talking about psychology, counseling, and all things related to mental health. Benjamin Gatt, thanks for joining us. Hello, good morning. Thank you. Um, uh, today we're, we're going to talk about. Um, uh, I think something that everyone would find interesting in this case. Definitely. Things and that we're not very educated on. We'd want no, to get no to know. Is, no one is, I think. Exactly. Everyone has their own perception on it and uh, their own understanding. So we've got a very um, uh, interesting conversation lined up, as I'm sure you've got lots to teach us. And uh, let's get to it. First of all, so what is the difference? Because I think this is something that will help you guys, the viewers. What is the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Yes. Just so we start on that note. Sure. Okay. Yes. Um, and it's a um, common question that we, we get. And it, it's usually one of the first things that I explain to, to, to clients, you know. Um, so basically, let's start with psychiatrists because, you know, um, it's the thing people mostly think about when we talk about mental health most of the time. Um, a psychiatrist would be a doctor who specializes in uh, mental health um, conditions, okay? And their job is to, of course, assess, you know, and then prescribe medications, I should say, okay? Um, so you actually go and you get um, pills, right, for the treatment that you, that you need. Okay? A psychologist is, is very different, all right? I, even in terms of our training, it's uh, different. So, of course, a psychiatrist would come from a biological uh, background, so you study the brain on a biological level, um, hormones, chemicals, what have you. Okay, the anatomy of the brain, of course, you know. Um, a, a psychology is very different. Okay, we we come from a biopsychosocial uh, background, uh, meaning that of course we do study biology. In fact, it's one of the requirements, you know, that we, that we have because it's important for us to understand how the brain works. And we also study um, pharmacology, psychopharmacology, because it's also important for us to understand how medicine um, works within the brain. Um, but we also, of course, not to the detail that psychiatrists would go into, of course, then at that point. But um, we also study then um, uh, psychology in itself. And psychology, uh, I like to explain it in um, very simple terms. Uh, it would be the study of how people think, feel, and behave. Okay? And uh, of course, how um, how these three areas interact um, between themselves. Okay, because most of the time, uh, how I think would influence um, my feelings and and my behavior. Okay, but sometimes even my feelings or something that causes a feeling can also uh, influence my behavior or how I think or changes the, the, the way I think. Um, apart from that, uh, psychology. Is uh, an area where uh, people, where people, where we observe uh, people and how they adjust to um, different realities in their life. Okay, so for example, in situations when there is grief or death or accident or trauma, right? Um, and a psychologist then would provide therapy, um, uh, talk therapy. So we don't prescribe pills. But we go through a quite sometimes a lengthy process. It could be anything from a number of sessions to sometimes even uh, months or sometimes years, depending on the case uh, of, of of therapy. You know, um, I don't mind saying that you know um, I I've been to therapy uh, multiple times. You know, 
um, and I find it very, very useful, you know, because it is a place where uh, you can uh, talk uh, talk about yourself and, of course, talk about your experiences. Um, but whilst you are doing so and you have someone who is um, listening to your experience and is also journeying with you in that experience and is interested in your experience, um, that also helps uh, the person, the client, in this case, to um, reflect upon themselves. You know, And I always tell my clients that um, if you learn nothing in therapy and you don't take away anything from it, at least I hope that we can instill uh, an attitude or the skill, let's put it this way, to, to actually you know, um, look within yourself and start to understand a little bit yourself. Now, of course, we can all do it at the end of the day. We can all say, okay, how was my day? How am I feeling? Uh, what did this cause in me? You know? um, but the job of the therapist there is to help um, also the, the client to reflect in different ways. Because, of course, we're set in some ways. Okay? Our perception of things that happen to us is determined by a lot of different factors. You know? So the job of the therapist would be to point out blind spots and to help in building some skills and to help the clients to reflect in different ways. Okay? Um, I don't know, if, have, have you ever been through this experience? So, you, for example, you're talking about something, right? But it, it, it only occurs to you something, the Eureka moment, when you're actually talking about this. Oh my God, I never thought about it this way. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but it, you have to talk about it because otherwise it just keeps on looping in your brain. Never comes. It, it happened to me a million times. Sometimes you need to be prompted, I think, to, exactly. to actually get into the mindset of um, thinking in about a certain thing because we might be thinking about it, but not, for example, from the perspective we're being asked from. Or yes. not addressing it, maybe. Like, I think that the thing that helps with therapy, in my opinion, is like you are getting challenged exactly. on what you're thinking. Yes, yes. Um, and challenging and how you are thinking about it, you know. And sometimes you also need someone to be witnessing that that experience to be witnessing the pain or the witnessing even sometimes the joy you know of, of some experiences you know um, I, I think that one of the most beautiful things that people can experience in their life is sharing you know is sharing an experience you know um, what what point is there if I I use this example most of the time so I win the lottery I win a million euros hope I do <laughs> <laughs> so one day I can retire um, um, so let's say I win a million euros okay but what's the point of it if I cannot share it with anybody you know so I can go and buy a Ferrari I can that would be on top of my list probably <laughs> I would go on a very long vacation I would buy all the things that I need you know what's the point of I'm doing it alone you know, uh, what's the, not flaunting it? I'm not referring about flaunting it, but but you know, come uh, come and let's go and ride with this uh, with the car that I just bought. You know, um, let's experience this experience together. Right? Um, there's no point in that. You know, um, uh, and uh, uh, the the whole point of of being human is connection. You know, we're we're built for connection. You know, in fact, um, uh, even the way the brain works, for example, you know. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the love hormone oxytocin. You know, uh, when you when you are physically with a person, even a hug, you know, exactly. a good hug with a person, you know, that prompts connection. So the brain is primed for that connection. So when I am hugging someone and I'm giving them a really good hug, you know, not the you know the one second hug, okay, um, 
there's a number of seconds that needs to be there. If I'm not mistaken, it's about 20 to 30 seconds. Okay, so really good deep hug, you know. Um, uh, there's oxytocin that is released within the brain, and that helps the feeling of closeness between two people, you know. Okay. Um, so of course, in therapy, there's no there's no hugging, right? Um, only in very rare cases. Okay. Um, but um, but there is the witnessing of the experience. Um, there is the sharing, you know, and there's the eye contact. Of course, so not only hugging that that you know we connect with others, but there's eye contact. There's um, um, there's the, the the body language that is helping. There's me who is literally hearing your experience and also helping you to reflect about it and listening to your story, the witnessing, the validation of of feelings. You know, those are key points. You know that some people. You know, once I had a client, and she was an elderly client. You know, she was about in her eighties, I think, and and she came with her with her daughter. And she was very depressed. This client was very, very depressed. And her daughter was, of course, worried about um, her mother being depressed. And she had all the clinical features of, of, of depression. Um, when, when you say clinical features. Okay. Um, the clinical features would be because, of course, in order to, to diagnose a depression, okay? Um, so it's not depressed how we say, oh, I'm so depressed today. I want to get to that terminology yes. and language we use uh, later. We'll on explain later. it later. Definitely. But uh, when I say clinical features, it's usually there's a list that we need to sort okay. of um, be aware of and follow in order to actually diagnose a depression or any other mental health um, situation, condition. Um, so, so, so this person, you know, had all the features, you know, and and she, I remember, I still remember the room. Um, I don't remember what she was wearing, but I still remember the face and the, her, her daughter sitting next to her because it was such a such a beautiful experience. Um, and I had just started off in my my career as well. Um, so so this person comes and 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 said, you know, I have a big secret that I've been holding for such a long time. Um, uh, so it was close to sixty years that she she, she never told, not even her husband. Uh, she, she, she never told anyone the secret. And it had been weighing on her for a very, very long time. And it was such a huge, I'm obviously not going to say what it was, but um, um, but it was such a huge thing for her that it impacted her whole life because she felt guilty about not sharing it with her husband, for example, or with her children or what have you. She felt a lot of guilt. And, and, and we started the session, so, you know, just explaining to her what therapy is have you, you know, and then she, for a moment she stopped, she had all the wisdom of an 80-year-old, you know, and she stopped and said, okay, I have a secret that I need to tell her about, you know, and I told her, listen, because there was her daughter, and uh, do you need the daughter to step out, you know, it's, uh, it's okay, she can step out, and no, and she told me, I actually want her to be here, because I need her to listen to this, and I said, you know, my heart was pounding, as well, what is she going to say, is <laughs> she really beating, you know, and, and, and she actually said, this happened, her daughter like looks towards her and said, oh my God, I never knew this happened to you. And she cried. After 60 years, she talked, she physically... Was it a uh, bad experience? That so she it was a very bad experience that she had, of course. It was a very bad experience that she had. Um, and she talked about her experience. And the fact that I was there and her daughter was there to witness that, she told me, I, I don't really need to come anymore. <laughs> this was the first session. So I don't need to come anymore. I'm, I'm relieved of this. You know, she told me this is all I needed. That I've been waiting for this for a lot of years. You know, um, and I thought, wow, this was quick. You know, so, so <laughs> um, 
the end of the session, they said, are you sure you don't need it? So I'm fine. Um, if I need, I will contact you again. She never contacted me ever. Um, uh, that's good. <laughs> uh, but of course, therapy is not always that easy. You know what I mean? It's not always a one session thing. It's, it's, it's impossible, you know. Uh, but my point is here that, that her experiencing, uh, so, sorry, her talking about her experience and having someone who was there to witness her experience was very powerful here. And that's what she actually needed. You know? I feel like a lot of people have this thing. So you, you gave us a very good example of someone who um, lived for 60, uh, lived 80 years, but lived 60 years of her life having this ex- negative experience in her life impact her without her knowing mm-hmm. so she was always carrying this burden mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of people mm-hmm. today that have the same thing mm-hmm. of course in their own mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and they just carry it and carry it and carry it and it the burden the burden brings them down more and more and they don't realize it yes that's very true that's very true um some, sometimes you're conscious about it i don't know um someone who's discovering or um, their, their sexual orientation. Right? They're unsure about it, for example, in teenagers. It's very normal, you know. It's actually more normal than you think. You know, most teenagers, but most don't admit it, of course, but most teenagers which actually question, am I straight? Am I, uh, am I attracted to the same sex? So that's very normal. It's one of the things that I actually talk about with, with, with teenagers, you know. I'm feeling um, feelings towards the same sex normal you're a teenager that's normal it's normal to go through that phase okay and because you, you're discovering you're reaffirming your sexual identity for example you know so that's that could be one thing you know it's something that i'm carrying in my mind and i'm thinking about it a lot of the time right um it could be also another thing like i don't know a, a career decision it's weighing down on me but then it could also be other experiences which are on a different level meaning um, I'm feeling something, but I don't know exactly what am I feeling. Um, it could be most of the time it would be an unconscious thing. Okay, um, when we talk about psychology, um, part of the work in therapy is to uh, the school of thought that I like to follow is to actually discover what the unconscious is trying to tell us. Okay, um, because the unconscious comes out in a lot of different ways. Okay, and our job in therapy would be to try and decipher. Right, or interpret what it is trying to tell us. Okay? Um, and, and that is why we need a trained professional um, for that to happen. You know? Because most people say, I can talk about it with my friends. I can talk about, talk about it with my parents or with, uh, with someone else, anyone else. You know? um, but of course, they do not have the, the, the skills or the tools you know, to help you with, with, with dealing with things which are undecipherable you know they won't give you a neutral perspective on things as well apart from exactly they they also have their own judgment you know so one of the things that is very important in therapy is to provide a non-judgmental you know and with people you know i i I mean i'm a person who you know we're all i I admit it i judge you know we all do you know (laughs) (laughs) sorry we're we're humans we're humans we all judge you know you see someone who's uh, i don't know dressed uh, a bit strange you know it's like me with thomas and his crew this <laughs> you managed to point it out <laughs> okay um so when when i saw thomas with his crocs today wow how did that <laughs> that's a judgment uh, we wanted to create a comfortable environment <laughs> exactly um, but you know we're all ju- we're judging all the time you know and that is in, in a way it's also part of our training you know to to to, to um to uh, try and 
be as non-judgmental as possible. You know, uh, it's very hard. Believe me, it's very hard to try not to be judgmental. You know, because because that's what uh, at the end of the day a, a client doesn't like to be judged. And no? how do you identify? Sorry. Okay. Um, but because this is interesting to me, because sometimes there are people who identify the therapy and the therapist and would try to manipulate and present themselves in a way where they would <laughs> pretend that it's working or yeah. they're trying to. So h- how do you get around those situations? Well, uh, very good question. Very difficult question because at the end of the day, I'm a person, you know, I'm a human being, so I'm not infallible. And sometimes clients, yes, do manipulate you. Um, in fact, whenever I talk, I don't know, with colleagues, for example, you know, because um, <coughs> First of all, we do supervision. You know, it's a, um, this is an important point. You know, um, in in our job, um, it's critically important. Apart, it's you know we have to do it by law, uh, but it's critically important to have a supervisor. Usually, usually it's someone who is much more experienced than you who can help you out with 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 your cases. You know, uh, but you know, and it's not the first time. You know that my supervisor would tell me. Do you think, for example, that this client, you know, you're too in this client, sort of you, you, this client has sucked you in, okay. uh, for example, in their in their ways, you know, when that is how he is or she is uh, manipulating you, you know, and it wouldn't have occurred to me, you know, so the the, the supervisor would would help would help me there, you know, because when you when you literally go with the experience of 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 the of the client, um. It's very difficult to start and understand what is mine, what is theirs. You know, when when you're deep in empathy, um, um, imagine sort of the client has a pool and you go in their pool, okay, um, and so you're wet with their water and and their, uh, you know, you cannot just shake it off. You know, you have to, you have to have time to dry, to dry up. You know, um, so, so it's not like you know. You flick your fingers and 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 you're not wet anymore, you know. So there is a residue, you know. There is there is still wet, um, and and you cannot just tell the water to go away or something, you know. Um, so it's the same. It's the same when you immerse yourself in a client's experience, you know. Now some clients would actually want to manipulate you, as you said, you know. We have clients, yes, who, um, for different reasons, would want to something from you. Uh, depends what it is. Could be a lot of different things, uh, but they would want something out of you, you know. Uh, and 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 our job there is to try and um, help them to to also see. Most of the time, it would be a need. Okay. Um, for example, they would need someone to validate their experience, you know, or someone to praise them. Um, so usually, it will be coming from a place of great um, lack. You know, they had someone. For example, um, someone whose father was extremely critical all the time, someone whose father was very, very um, disciplined, but too disciplined. Discipline is good, but too disciplined, you know, and they grew up with a big inferiority complex. So they would be yearning for uh, you to tell them, ah, well done, very good. Um, they would be very yearning for that. And most of their behavior would be, you know, related to, Trying to get some sort of praise from others, for example. Can you give an example for that? Mm. Right. Um, I know, I know where it's going, but I just want people who mm. 
who might be struggling to understand this to be able to say oh, okay I, I completely know okay yes yes I, I okay because it's 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 hard to talk about something and not revealing anything you know um <clears throat> okay so if, if we keep it in general you know um let's say for example you you have a client who um uh, okay so one uh, something is coming up so so someone who comes um dressed up you know to the nine know and they come very always you know um presenting themselves and uh, yes yes presenting themselves in an impeccable uh way and you start questioning okay but so are you always going to a wedding or are you always going to some kind of occasion there what, what's what's all so okay you could be someone who loves fashion it's okay you know uh but you start realizing that there is something you know there about it you know it's okay if you want to dress smart all the time that fine you know you like fashion and that's okay but if if if, if i realize that there is this um, need for uh, if it falls within a need for perfection for example and something that we, we find quite a lot of clients you know with this need for perfection and you start realizing that it's a pattern in their life you know and it's starting to burn them out you know um, um so i have a client for example um uh, when i say i have a client um, in this case, a lot of clients come up, um, you know, but I, I've had clients telling me, you know, uh, my father or my mother, you know, would not be happy if I got a 99 in my exam, you know, and they would point that one mark that they managed to miss, you know, and this was not something that happened once, but it was something that happened, you know, a number of times. Sometimes even if it happened once, it had a, a big impact on them, you know, so they grew up with this inferiority complex that they need to perform exceedingly well in order to um to to, uh, to to realize that they are actually able to do something you know they grow up with with a with a sense of incapability you know i'm not capable of doing things well you know and they would be high performers you know so you know so i've had clients who had were very good at their job very good at the sport whatever whatever it is you know very very good but they still grow up with that critical um, sense of themselves. You know, they can never be happy about what they do. You know, there were cases of of, of people. You know, once uh, um, uh, people you know who perform at very high levels, but you know, um, they, they 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 were so unhappy with themselves that they fell into deep depression after achieving something. You know, so you work all your life towards achieving. I don't know whether you, you like sport. No, you, then they pick medal. You know, and then what? And then they fall in a big depression, you know, because they achieved what what they wanted. You know, they m- somehow managed to try and convince themselves of their goodness, you know, their capability, and then what? And uh, so, with regards to marks, is it uh, marks and uh, perfection? Is it related to culture, uh, social background? Um, uh, is the reflection of the parents or guardians things that they haven't achieved in? Uh, their life that they potentially wanted to achieve and now they want uh, their their product their children to uh, reach the goals that eventually they would have wanted to achieve is 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 that something that yes is it a mix of things maybe good question yes it, it is it is actually sometimes a mix of things in the sense that yes of course in motor we have a culture where we value academics very very highly in the sense that you know to do it to do well at school you know personally i think you know that uh, we uh, coming from coming from a history you know where where school was for the privileged of course in, in back in the day not now of course 
um, but you had to had uh, some money to in order to study, you know, and coming from a culture of poverty, you know, we had a culture of poverty. Um, so, so of course, you know, to actually send your child to school was something which was very privileged, you know. Um, so today, I think, um, you know, we, we value academics very, very highly. Also, we're a very insular society, you know, so, uh, you know, Ah, my neighbor's kid did very well. I want my kids to do much better. You know, we we also have that attitude. You hear it a lot. Um, lots of competition. There are lots of competition. You know, and, and our competition you see it in all the different aspects of our lives. You know, be it Kazim uh, Talbanda, um, uh, or Festa, or, or politics, or you know, we have a lot of that unfortunately in Malta, and it's, sometimes it's too much. Um, so there is that. Um, but th- there is also what what you also said, you know, that sometimes um, parents want to live their dreams through their children, you know, as if their children are an extension of of themselves, um, you know. Um, so they would put a lot of pressure on their kids to perform. I've had I've had people I've met people, you know, um, that for example I asked them why do you want to become a doctor? For example, in this case, um, my father was a doctor, my mother was a doctor. I'm a doctor, you know, it's, 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 you know, expected to, to become a doctor, but do you really want to be a doctor? Could be a good job. You know, so is that why you want to be a doctor? I don't know. Um, okay, so I think I should be a little bit, I, I wouldn't be very comfortable knowing, you know, my doctor is not really invested in, in, in that career, you know? Um, so, and is there a fear when you ask certain questions that, for example, all my life, I've thought I want to become a doctor because that's what people wanted for me. And now I'm being asked certain questions. Now I don't want to be a doctor anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, how then? How is it that now they're into the deep water, they don't know what to do, <laughs> how do they get back on their that feet? That is the whole point of therapy. You okay. know, um, that is the whole point of therapy because therapy is there to challenge you. Um, you know, so, so some, uh, once I've had a client who after the session, um, uh, texted me and told me, "Listen, is it normal to feel after ter- so it was about an hour after the session finished, or two hours?" And and the client told me, "Is it normal to feel like as if I'm been overrun by a truck?" You know, and I told her, "Yes, extremely normal." You know, and uh, now of course, God forbid, every session you would feel like that after that. You know, but if therapy is not challenging you and if it's not um, opening up areas in your life uh, where you haven't processed them yet, and of course those areas most of the time would, uh, would hold big emotions like, like, uh, like anxiety or fear or, or, uh, or sadness or, um, or, um, or guilt. You know? um, if you're not opening them up, you can never process them. You can never go through that that herd that is being, you know, that's holding you, holding you back. You know, um, so therapy should be a place, yes, where where you feel uncomfortable. You know, of course, it's also a safe place because that's the therapist's job. You know, to to contain, to help the clients to process them in a safe mm-hmm. environment. You know, and again, that is another um, difference that there is. Talking to a professional and talking to a friend, you know, friends would have would have difficulty in containing very very big emotions, you know. So what happens if you're talking to your friend and suddenly they they become very angry and and you don't know if they're angry at you or they're angry at the world or angry at their experience, you know, uh, or they start crying uncontrollably, you know. 
they're not as emotionally intelligent as the therapist. So. Uh, uh, yeah, that that and but also you know they don't have the skills to stop that you know or, okay. to, or to, to 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 keep it to a safe level. Of course, in mental health situations, we work with with big emotions. You know, um, you can't go to the gym and expect you know um, your friend to, to to spot check you. You know, if if you're doing um, uh, um, the name is not coming to mind right now. Um, if it's a um, bench press, bench press. You know, and and your friend is not a particularly big person, and you're doing a big load. You know, you can't expect them to spot check you because probably if they tried, they would. Drop it back on you. Uh, so you need someone who's well trained, you know. And the same in therapy, you know, when you're handling very big emotions, you need someone who's there to be um, not holding you in the sense that you are doing the the, the, the chest press, right? You are doing it, but the therapist is there um, to, to 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 help you do it in a safe way. But how would people differentiate, or maybe even teenagers, because I think this is something that most teenagers will be going through. How w- would someone differentiate when him or her or their friends are having a mood swing versus when they might need help mm-hmm. in their situation? When like things may be more <laughs> severe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. How can how do you differentiate? How does one differentiate? Okay. Okay. So, f- um, if we're talking about a mood swing, um, of course we get mood swings. You know, um, you get a bad text. You know, they get someone. So get the bad news from a text, and you're okay. You're calm, and suddenly you've got this big news, and you're <gasps> you're sad or you're angry. You know, so your mood changes instantly. That's very normal. In teenagers, of course, um, or, or youths, you know, you're growing. Your body is, is is you know accelerating at a fast rate. You know, um, your brain is still developing. Okay, so of course, um, your brain is not. You know, the, the, the usually the brain stops maturing stops developing at 25 years of age okay so if you're 16 you have still nine years to go you know um and and so the capacity of the brain to process uh, big emotions is very different from that of a of a, of a 25 year old or a 20 30 year old okay <coughs> um we uh, i'm going to get, to get to your question but i'm going also going to explain why <coughs> um, there are two concepts which are called cold cognition and hot cognition. Okay, so in situations where I need to make a decision, okay, um, which candidate I'm going to vote for in the next election, right? Um, which uh, okay, at 16 we can't buy a car, but which car at 18? I'm going to buy a new car. Which car I'm going to buy? And I go to all the specifics of the car. Okay. A 16-year-old, an 18-year-old can do that as well as a 50-year-old, okay? Um, you, you study what you need to study, you do your homework, and you have a decision. You know, you take your time. So a 16-year-old, 18-year-old is as good as a 30-year-old to do you know, um, that, that decision. You know? In fact, 16-year-olds can vote, you know? Um, now... Th- those are cold cognition situations, so you don't really have much pressure, you know. Um, but where s- um, teenagers and, and youths um, start to um, short circuit, sort of, all right, where, where, where they start having difficulty in situations where we call that cold cognition. So in situations where there's pressure, be it time pressure, peer pressure, or the situational pressure of, of the situation itself, okay? Um, uh, so... Uh, 
for example, there's big financial a big financial decision. You're either going to get it well, very very well, or you're going to go into bad debt. You know, that's a huge decision. You know, uh, marriage. Okay, am I going to marry this person or not? You know, uh, that's a huge decision to make. Um, having children um, and and experiencing that that those whirlwind of emotions. You know. Uh, and also big life decisions, you know. So what if what if uh, what if my child uh, is in distress, uh, you know, um, was was pregnant, you know, and you have to, to make a life big life decision, you know, for example, um, you know. So those those situations, teenagers and youths, their brains, since it is still developing, does it have the capacity as well as those of thirty year olds? Okay, um, so so sort of your. Uh, it's like comparing an engine of a mini miner um, compared to a more powerful Formula One car. You know, um, maybe it's not that huge a difference, but the engine is still developing, right? And it's developing at a fast stage because you, um, the body is accelerating very, very fast, um, but it's still not there yet. Okay, so you have less cylinders to fire from. Okay, okay. at that age, um, to take those big decisions, you know. It's actually something very neurological, you know, it's how the neurons are connected in the brain and, and, and the sheets that, that, that envelop them and, you know, and help them to pass the current was it where the brain works with electricity. So it's all related to that. Okay? So in those situations, um, youths, um, uh, or teenagers rather, um, don't have the capacity for mature. Now, where do the mood swings come in? <coughs> the mood swings come in because big emotions, you know, are hard to handle. You know, so if someone dies, isn't that hard to handle? Um, if 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 some of you being bullied, um, if uh, or or cyberbullying, you know, if you have a huge crush on a person, uh, but you can't express that uh, to the person for any reason, you know, and so those are big emotions, you know, and yes, I mean people experience those those emotions, you know, so uh, you have a big crush on a person, and then you see this person with someone else, all right. Uh, your mood changes, no? Uh, because you, 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 we've all been there. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> haven't we? Um, exactly. So, of course, your mood changes. So that's normal. Okay, that's very normal. We have mood swings, you know. Um, that's normal. Where it becomes a problem, okay, is where those mood swings start to uh, become very frequent. For example. So uh, one second you're laughing and the other second you're deeply depressed. So it's, it's about the breadth of emotions, okay? So I can be happy and then I, I see a person that I liked and with a, obviously I'm sad, right? So the, the, the mood changes. But if I go from elation to deep depression, the breadth is different, okay? There's okay. the, so I can go from... The wave is bigger. The wave is much bigger, exactly. Okay. So from a very high, big high to an extreme low, low. And that would okay. be more serious and would be oh, uh, leading it, to a Yes, because the, the flavor of the sadness, you know, so if I'm sad and I'm sad and I go and cry a bit or I go to talk to a friend, it's fine, you know, or I go and um, in my room and listen to some music. Have we all been there? <laughs> I've been. Uh, so I go to, and, 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 you know, so you listen to sad music, you know, I like music. Um, that's normal, you know. But if I start experiencing uh, bad thoughts, harming myself, for example, or um, or of doing big things, you know, then it becomes a problem, you know. So it's not just about what am I feeling, but also what um, 
what thoughts start coming up in my head if I'm constantly having thoughts of I'm a failure, you know, now we've all at some point thought, oh my God, I'm so ugly or I've, uh, I, I'm a failure, for example. You know, I can never get anything right. We've all had those thoughts, no? Uh, but if they, they, they become very frequent, you know, when you're, you're experiencing these things, you know, then that becomes a problem. Um, so again, it's, it's not just the emotion that I'm experiencing, but the breath and also the, compl- the, the thoughts maybe that come, that come with it and also the behavior that I'm exhibiting. You know? okay. um, so if, if, again, it's normal to cry, it's normal to talk to someone, it's normal to go and close yourself up in the room uh, for, for some time and, and listen to some music or go to sleep, but it becomes a pattern and I'm doing that all the time and I'm distancing myself from my friends. And I'm never wanting to go out with friends. And I'm always, um, you know, um, I'm starting to fail uh, in school, for example. Um, or I'm, I, I notice that I'm eating too much all of a sudden, you know. Um, or I'm feeling a big sense of, of, of uneasiness all the time. If I wake up in the morning with lack of energy, you know. Um, if I'm resorting to um, substances or, or, uh, or, or drinking, you know. Um, then that becomes a big problem, of course, because that is changing, you know, uh, your quality of life in an impact in an impactful way. Definitely, some food for thought. Mm. Um, uh, I think we'll give our guests, our not our guests, our our viewers, mm-hmm. a bit of breathing time to digest what we've been saying and take a short break with our ad space right now. now we are back from that very short break and um something i was thinking about and i wanted to ask you ben we have this on social media we have this misconception about what type of words we can use loosely so i see this happening a lot Um, i have friends that that use it casually so if people are feeling sad they say oh i'm so depressed today and this is something i think you mentioned in making Mm -hmm. as well or someone uh, is explaining someone else's character and they say oh that guy is so bipolar and I'm not one to use these words because I know that, I mean, I, I know people that struggle from, from these issues and I know that they're a bit... They hold a lot of weight. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Why do you think this happens? And uh, do you think these people actually know what kind of damage they might be doing by mm-hmm. kind of labeling them as, as having bipolar or, or, or whatever? Of course, w- words start to to slip in our terminologies, you know, and, and the more common a word becomes, you know, the more you use it most of the time. Um, I hope that most people, when they use them, do not use them with the intention to harm. But um, we have to be careful about the words we use in order to describe uh, other people, other people's emotions and, and, and what have you, you know. Um, because people who might be going through a very difficult time you know, so if if I suffer from bipolar and I'm seeing the word the word using used very very lightly, you know, uh, I might be thinking they really don't know what bipolar is and how much it makes me suffer, you know, and they're using it very loosely and really making fun of it, you know. Um, so I think I think uh, it's very important to keep in mind whenever we use these words, you know, um, to use them with respect. You know, and so um, uh, and and avoid using them if it's not about being afraid of them. You know, or or you know, was if I am really depressed, I'm really depressed. You know, 
Um, um, but uh, we need to make a distinction between, you know, a depression is a, de- a clinical depression is a depression, you know, so and it 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 is it is very debilitating, you know, it changes your life so 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 radically, you know, um, it it makes people have so much pain, you know, uh, it, people lose their jobs, people lose their families, and uh, their loved ones because of of depression, you know. So whenever I'm uttering a word, you know, it's not just the word, but it's also what it implies and the impact it has on people, you know. So I think before using certain words, we have to, you know, keep in mind uh, other people who actually, you know. Um, suffer from from depression for example um bipolar is a very specific uh, very specific condition you know meaning that it has um, um uh, symptoms you know and and behaviors that are very specific in order to diagnose a bipolar uh, condition you know there there, there are clear um, rules let's say to 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 follow the things to look out for you know so it's not just someone who changes their mind quickly or changes their, their their mood quite quickly. That's not bipolar at all. So even the terminology is wrong there, you know. Um, so I think, uh, um, uh, apart from we need to fight the stigma of mental health, but we also need to be respectful of it. So the words we use, you know, um, this is the same as if I'm not going to call everybody, you know, uh, uh, with a certain terminology, even if it's not related to, to mental health. Whenever we refer to someone, we refer to them with respect, you know. So in this case, uh, I think it's also important to keep in mind that people, um, even though it might not be in intentional, you know, but if but people, uh, you know, can get triggered or can 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 um, can feel pain because of words that I'm using uh, loosely. You know? Something that I wanted to ask you about, and we've been mentioning briefly um, in our conversations, um, is a word that is has a big impact in mental health and of course something that you help um your clients with every day it's addiction mm. what exactly is addiction and from your experience how have you seen people to relieve themselves of addictions and maybe overcome them mm-hmm. okay so um first and foremost when we talk about addiction it means that i have no control over the thing that i am using anymore Okay, um, people might think they have control, but the reality is that you cannot function anymore without it. You know, it's overcome you. Okay, so we can be addicted to anything most of the time. You know, um, of course there are again addiction is a, um, a condition in itself that you things that you look out for when we do an assessment. Um, <coughs> but 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 there are a lot of different addictions. There's addiction to substances, addiction to alcohol, addiction to pornography. You know, it's it's actually now a diagnosis of, uh, um, that can be given. Um, and so when we talk about addiction, is that um, I cannot function without this specific thing, right? Be it alcohol, being marijuana, be it. Um, pornography i cannot function without it so my quality of life has changed so much if i don't have this thing you know that i start to crumble okay um, i'm not happy anymore if i don't go and drink um, uh, and usually of course it becomes i'm sad all the time most of the time you know um, if i don't use pornography x amount of times a day I, I cannot function, right? I start um, I start preferring to go and drink instead of going to meet with my friends. Or I need to be with my friends, but I need to drink in order to socialize. 
Um, I cannot control my 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 sadness if I don't smoke my joint. Okay, so um, of course, when we come, the first thing that an addict tells you is, "No, I don't have a problem." You know, um, so the first thing um, with addiction is um, that we have to work with is to actually accept that you have a situation. Okay, um, that is controlling your life. Okay, and now that's rather hard to do if you are depending on that particular thing in order to keep you going. Um, so it takes a lot of courage to be fair to to to, to try and um, what leads people to addiction. So you mentioned, of course, the most common. So you mentioned pornography. You mentioned drugs. You mentioned substance abuse. What leads people into seeking happiness from these? Okay, so first and foremost, somehow we all have the potential to somehow be addicted to something. We could also be addicted to our mobile phones. Um, we're scrolling through uh, social media all the time. I think that's on the increase. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly, exactly. Uh, we could be addicted, addicted, not not clinically, but to taking selfies. You know, so people uh, um, taking selfies all the time. You know, they they see and and they say. They haven't stopped taking selfies. I've been here for an hour. They haven't stopped taking selfies. Um, what's that about? You know. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so addiction most of the time. Okay. First of all, um, if uh, th- there's a big, um, um, if 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 my parents or my caregivers, you know, um, had a problem with addiction, most of the time, you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, so if my father is not, but if my father was an alcoholic, you know, I have a b- higher chance of actually ending up a problem with alcohol, okay? Because it's something which is in your environment all the time, okay? And you're also seeing them do it, you know? And you're also seeing the effect. So um, he was very sad, he drank, and, you know, he's a bit better now. But uh, eventually, of course, then it becomes uh, different. Even, 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 so for example, I work with clients, you know, who father or the mother was alcoholic you know they see the damage you know they start breaking things they start shouting when they're drunk they go to sleep and they don't wake up you know and they know it's 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 not okay but then they still do it you know Um, and they still repeat the patterns because we are um it's, it's not what we 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 copy you know we copy behavior a lot of times you know so if there's there's that you know you have a higher chance of 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 following that that pattern, but at the same time, you know, uh, most of the time, um, I'm not going to go into the specifics of how it works within the brain, you know. But somehow our pre- our brain is hijacked, right? Um, we have what is called the pleasure principle pathway, you know. Um, so so our brain, um, when we do something that it likes, you know, it 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 tells us, mm, I like this, you know. So have a drink. I like it, I do it again. I have another drink, I like it, I do it again. And my brain is telling me, I like this, give me more. You know, Where it becomes an addiction is because you start, okay, I'm sad, let me go have a drink. Okay, will help me get better. When that, when the brain then, um, of course, um, the brain gets hijacked when, uh, when you then cannot start doing without it. Okay, because your brain is constantly needing that that thing, and we all have the the capacity to 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 fall into that, right? The the propensity to fall into that because our brains are all the same in a way. We all have that pleasure principle uh, pathway, um. So so now people people react to things 
you know, um, uh, to, to, to trauma, to difficult experiences, you know, in different ways, you know, um, lack of meaning in life, for example, this is another issue, you know, I have a big void in my life, I don't know how, how I'm going to fill this, you know, um, why am I, existential questions, why am I living, uh, what purpose do I have in life, you know, so these things that create big void in our lives, um, and they start, you know, to try and use pleasure in order to fill up that void, you know, so they seek, so they seek, seek these things, basically, um, to feel a little bit good about yourself, you know, if I have a very difficult relationship with myself, you know, how I look, how I feel about who I am, um, so in order to keep, to deal with those emotions, you know, and I seek the shortcut most of the time, you know, something that m- quickly makes me feel better, you know, um, it might for a while, it might for a while, but the problem is that, um, and this is where um, addicts don't, don't admit, that then it takes over, you know, and the, cap- the, 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 the possibility of that happening is quite high, because in themselves, most of these situations um, or things that are used in addictions, be it pornography, be it substances, be it alcohol, you know, they are addictive in themselves. You know? They want the dopamine very, very quickly. Exactly, exactly. Oh. And it becomes a shortcut, you know, it becomes a shortcut, you know. To feel the same with less effort. To feel the same with less effort. The problem is, and that's the problem with addiction, that it, you know, um, when I when I work with addicts, you know, uh, they're always chasing their, their first high, you know. So the, the feeling you get the first time, you never get it again. Forget it, you know, um, it's, it's impossible because it, it's even how the brain works, you know, the brain has a tolerance, there's tolerance level. So if I take one drink and I feel very good, you know, the next time I need two drinks, the next time I need three drinks because the, 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 um, the brain becomes habituated to it, um, uh, it gets used to it. So it needs more of that thing in order for it to feel better, you know, it's just the way the brain works, you know, and you cannot overcome that, you know. You see, you see that a lot, especially in people who who are weed smokers, where they start out with with a very small amount and it gets them really high, and then as time goes by, they need more and more. It, it happens in every in every substance, you know. It happens with every substance, be it weed, be it any other substances, you know, be it alcohol, even pornography in itself, um, because it, it produces that shot of uh, dopamine and and the, the feel good hormones so quickly, you know, um, that then yes. Um, the, the the brain literally gets hijacked by this specific uh, thing that you that you are that you are using. Um, you have start with small amount, boom, and then it explodes. So have you ha- have you had um, clients who are because there there's this there's this thinking let's call that that um, weed is not addictive. Mm. Weed is legal now. Yeah. Weed, so weed is accessible. Mm. Weed is I mean natural. As mm. we we're saying. Well, Okay, um, there are a lot of things which are natural but are not okay, you know. Um, uh, so, for example, I don't know, um, you cannot eat all, so uh, I, I'm not into surviving, you know, and sur- this survival, you know, uh, people who go into the forests and try to survive. But, but you often hear them t- say that you cannot eat everything, any kind of berry, you know, because you have to know which berries you need to eat, because some of them would actually kill you, you know. It's still natural, no? Um, now, uh, so so there's the concept that it's natural, it's okay. It's not, okay? Not everything that is natural is okay for human consumption, uh, for that matter. So first and foremost, there's that. But also there's the, the issue of, uh, apart from that, there's also the issue of what is making me go into this? What is making me, what's the purpose behind this behavior? You know? So uh, people people seek the shortcut, 
you know most of the time unfortunately you know uh, i want i'm feeling sad i need to feel happy and do something about it okay uh, and that's also in the nature of in a way how the brain works it needs a solution you know we need to find some solution uh, the thing is this that we need to understand what is making me what is the purpose behind me doing this thing you know is it a need is a psychological need that i'm trying to 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 to, to fulfill okay is it uh, is it is it a trauma that i'm trying to hide right or repress you know because i cannot deal with the emotions of of this um there's a, there's a lot of difficult um this also when you're working with an addict most of the time you see a lot of different things things that start to emerge difficult life experiences that they've been through that somehow they're trying to cope so first of all i think uh, first of all, it's very important not to stigmatize uh, people who have addictions you know because they're all going you know it's very easy for us to say oh doc you know uh, he does this because he, um, he, he's he you know um, it's not it's not that it's not that you know there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of trauma most of the time there's a lot of recurrent emotions um there's also things that that you're trying to deal with there might not be one specific trauma there might be um, things that you're trying to still deal with you know and and you cannot you cannot uh you cannot figure out you know um uh, um so, for example, the difficult family environment. Nothing specific happened, but a very difficult um, family environment that you grow up in. You grow up in. Okay, you you might have been feeling very unloved, very neglected, right? Most of the time, for example, and you're trying to 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 elicit some sort of emotion in yourself. Okay, um, because it's very hard to live. Um, I've had clients who who um, were not um, I don't, um, were not poor, for example, they had all the material things that they needed. But they felt neglected most of the time, you know, their parents were always working or their parents were always um, partying <laughs> uh, and, and you were you, you were felt abandoned a lot of the times, you know, so they're trying to to to, um, to, to come to terms with, with that experience, you know. You, you mentioned something before uh, in our break that and I want you to to touch up basi- um, touch up quickly on this because we only have 15 minutes left and there's, there's just so many things we wanted to talk about yeah. but part two part two comment <laughs> guys we want to see a part two <laughs> you mentioned that you've seen an increase in the amount of people that you're seeing as clients who are um, regularly smoking weed mm-hmm. um, do you think this is a, a, a result of weed being more uh, reachable so accessible accessible and this uh, the weed we smoke people smoke nowadays um uh, different to the weed being being consumed definitely yes time ago yes yes so if we talk about the 60s for example you know where uh, there, there was quite a high spread use especially in abroad but also more um it's very different you know so when we're talking about weed uh, we're talking about two different things so we're not talking about medical cannabis here um, but the, the the component which causes the problems thc okay uh, well, th- to clarify because we didn't mention this why would someone come to you because they smoke are they like addicts like are they addicted to uh, okay weed? right so first and foremost first of all when we talk about addiction we are talking about something which is causing a big difference in my quality of life i cannot go to work anymore so I, I know of people who um, need to, in their lunch break, need to go smoke because otherwise they cannot function. I know people who, um, I know of people who, who are going abroad and the first thing that they think about is where I gonna um, buy some, 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 some weed because I, I need to, to, to have fun. So where, I, where am I going to? So can't you have fun without it? Uh, do you actually need it to have fun? 
Um, so uh, I know people who cannot sort of contain their mood. They need some something to to help them calm down, for example. So that there it's where it becomes an issue, you know, and where people have to uh, you know understand. Okay, so why am I using this for? What what what, it, what function is it serving in my life? Okay. Um, so to, to back to, back to your question. In the sixties, the THC level, um, th- this particular component in weed, was rather low, right? Uh, because of a lot of different factors, that has gone up quite significantly. Okay. Let's give it a number. So, it's so more um, related. In, in the sixties, it was let's say one a, a rather a rather low uh, in terms of percentage. It was rather low, so with it with five ten percent, for okay. example. Today there are especially in, in, in the United States, for example, there's um, situations where the THC would be 8 to 90%, okay, which is significantly higher. Okay? So the potency, the potency, how much effect it has uh, when I smoke is much, much higher. Okay, we're we're talking about the, before I used to, Mini and the Ferrari, but this is the, the huge difference. Okay, that, that there is this big difference. Okay, um, so 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 once once I, I I have this substance in me, okay, if it's five percent, it will do X amount of 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 um, effect. If I have X times, right? I'm not very good at maths, <laughs> but if, if if it's instead of five percent, it's eighty percent. The, the, the effect it's having on me instantly is much higher than it was before. So now when we're talking about this, whilst we're talking about this, one of the issues is that there is also some people are, predis- are genetically predisposed okay, to experience things um, more than others. Okay? It's just something that has to do with how our genetic makeup, how we are made up. Okay, you, you we cannot know. <laughs> you don't go to genetic testing all the time, do you? You know, uh, so you can't really know uh, how how your genetic predisposition is. But there are people who are genetically predisposed. You know, said that whenever, when they have, uh, when they use marijuana, they can break into psychosis. Okay, and psychosis would be uh, it's, first of all, it's a horrific experience to have. Okay. Um, it's it's one of the most difficult mental health conditions to to, to work with. Okay, so may you start and being very paranoid about uh, people, um, so you're constantly not trusting others. You start having difficulty in 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 the perception of life. So you have your your the way you think is altered. We have what we call delusions. Okay, so you might think that there is someone trying to kill you, for example. Or you might start to think about um, diff- you, that you have a very special mission in life, uh, for example, that God has chosen you to save the earth from doomsday. You know, I've had those clients. Um, so this is very um, difficult ways, uh, different sorry, ways of, of thinking. Um, that some of them might not also be this big, you know. So sometimes it might also be, um, there were clients that come to mind, for example, that my mother hates me. It's not the case. It wouldn't be the case, you know. And then they start getting into the celebrity scheme of why their mother hates them, you know. And then we start working with them. It's really not the case, uh, you know. But you also can have hallucinations. What we call hallucinations. So your your perception, your um, sensory perception is altered. So I might st- start hearing voices. Uh, I might feel things on my skin. Uh, I might start seeing things that are not there. Okay, so this is this is what we call psychosis. Some some people are genetically predisposed to have them once they start smoking weed. 
you know does it trigger it like permanently or is it just until they're smoking a few days no no it triggers it permanently it triggers it permanently we have people who then have to take medication for their whole lives okay in order for that to be controlled just for a few minutes of fun when they're young just for a few minutes of fun when you're but young. it's like you were saying it's only a certain amount of people there's who a certain amount of people yes who might be there, but there's a lot of casual but you wouldn't know but yeah. you wouldn't know if you are or not so there is there is that issue you know i always ask them you know it's like a russian roulette you know do you know if you're genetically predisposed or not but also even those people who are not genetically predisposed they might experience paranoia and they might experience uh, depression, they might experience anxiety, you know, contrary to popular belief, you know, um, marijuana can cause depression and anxiety. Um, you don't have to be genetically predisposed for that, you know. And also, I, I also talk about, um, again, what's the purpose behind this, you know. Um, so um, if I have an issue that I'm trying to deal with, you know, if, if I'm, I'm constantly feeling a little bit sad, maybe, it doesn't have to be a huge issue, you know, um, but I'm, or I'm finding it difficult to, to have some, some, some sort of purpose in life. What am I living for? Uh, what am I contributing? What legacy will I leave behind? You know, what, what, what do I want to achieve in my life? Things that people go through, you know, and, and I'm not dealing with these things and maybe I'm masking them up, you know, um, isn't it better to do something about it, to, to, to talk about it with someone, to seek some help, um, um, to, 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 to reflect on, on this rather than hide it? You know, because most of the times, addiction is, is, is like a blanket which is trying to cover up other things, you know, um, that people find it hard to, 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 to process. You know? So when you spoke about um, this predisposed how was it again? Genetically Gen- predisposed. Genetically predisposed. Um, being able to, or not being able, accidentally triggering that psychosis. I think that was something that I've experienced. And um, I mean, as weed is casually smoked here in Malta, um, I used to smoke it casually, maybe like once a month with mm. friends. And I started actually feeling that I'm paranoid, not during when I'm smoking it, but even after. Yes. So days after, you would still feel... Because marijuana, marijuana um, remains in the blood system for weeks. Okay. Okay, so it's not something that, that is um, processed by the body very, very quickly. You know, it can take weeks to... So if I smoke today and, and I'm tested for marijuana in two to three weeks' time, there might still be elements of THC in my body. So okay. th- that was oh. the reason that I actually stopped because I was really scared. Of course. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm of like course. this isn't for me, I'm not able to handle it. Of course. Um, so before we... Um, actually, we can, we can go to the question because obviously this affects lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, nowadays, how things are turning out compared to 50, 100 years ago, food is becoming more processed. Mm-hmm. So more sugars in our food, mm-hmm. we're consuming more sugar by the day than mm-hmm. people used to consume in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not only nutrition, we have a lot of more things. We have exactly. social media, we have all of these mm-hmm. all of these things that didn't exist 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. But then we are also seeing an increase in, in, m- in mental health um, conditions. Uh, and yes. conditions. The proper terminology would be conditions. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, a, that's the way I prefer it. Yes, um, but it's okay. yes, so are we becoming more aware of situations of people suffering with depression mm-hmm. um, or, or different other um, mm-hmm. 
or are, are they being created by all of these new <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> uh, i think that there's no simple answer to that first of all yes i think there are multiple answers as well to that in the sense that of course there's today there's more awareness okay so and that is a good thing you know the, the more aware you are about something the more you can do something about it okay um, so before uh, people would say dark aziz yamelek no it's not a question of it's a question that that person is really depressed so he need he, he, one of the things that um or, or people you know for example when a person is depressed oh cheer up come on just you know let's go out and have fun it's not it's not, it's not that you know when people hopefully now are starting to understand more that it's not simply uh, simply a question of um preference or choice you know uh, or will you know, because some people think that by will you can just overcome depression. It's really people who are depressed really want to not be depressed, <laughs> uh, but it's not a question of will. Um, so hopefully, but yes, there are so factors. You know, um, there's uh, overpopulation, overdevelopment. We're, we're lacking greenery. Okay, and um, research shows that the more time you spend in nature, the better for your mental health. Uh, we're losing that, aren't we? We spend a lot of time in urban areas most of the time. Okay. Um, uh, but yes, high, um, research also shows that the more junk food you consume, the more propensity for depression and anxiety, uh, because what you w- we are also what we eat. Okay, um, so the processed uh, uh, processed food, you know, gets metabolized and processed within our bodies very differently from healthy food. You know, and that can might impact the way we we feel. You know, sugar. You mentioned sugar. You know, uh, sugar produces a big rush of energy. You know, uh, but then it also produces a big um, slump of energy. You know, so you might feel very good when you're taking your. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names of 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 of, of soft drinks, but you might feel good about uh, that one. Once the sugar uh, rush wears off, you might feel a very big slump of energy and actually feel sad. You know, so yes, it does change and alter our 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 mood and our. How how we feel, you know. Um, Coca-Cola is definitely my addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel that um, social media plays a big role in? Yes, social media uh, researchers also showing that Instagram actually is is the worst. (laughs) Um, uh, At least from the research that I've seen. But but uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, what have you? So they're creating this false illusion of reality. You know, so uh, you know. Have Have you ever been um, somewhere? You know, and do you see people taking a selfie or something? Of course, if you're taking a selfie, most of the time, what happens? You're going to post it. No, yeah. that's the reason why do it. They, people do it. You know, um, you know. So you're taking a photo, um, and you're noticing that they're producing this very big smile, and then two seconds later, after you take, it, they're fighting. Oh no, it didn't come right. And then they smile again. So you're a happy couple, and then in the second, in the next second, you're fighting. You know, um, but what you post is what what there is uh, what people see you know they're not seeing behind the scenes okay um so, so there's producing so other this people consume that and think that this is the yes reason. yes and it's becoming a huge problem even even uh, in our societies you know that you're consuming all this false uh, um, illusion, illusion of, of perfection pe- yes so let's say you've had a bad day and 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 uh, and uh, or or you you broke up with with someone or you know and you're seeing all these People smiling. I'm in a relationship and I'm happy, you know. And 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 you're feeling isolated. I just broke up with someone, and you know, um, you're feeling isolated. Feeling all these photos have pickups. How do you feel? You're re- you're we're naturally we compare ourselves to others, you know. Oh, I, I I'm the only one who's not get, I'm getting a relationship. I'm the only one who's I will be single forever. You start having these thoughts, you know. Um, uh, 
um, or or seeing people flaunt a very um, uh, what's about, um, nice lifestyle, for example, you know, and I'm finding it hard to make ends meet by the end of the month. So okay, this person has this really nice car, and I can't make it, you know. Um, but you don't know how much debt that person has gone into to get that car, for example. You only see the facade of it, you know. Um, so yes, research is showing that it's causing a lot of depression and and, and anxiety, especially in youth. Unfortunately, you know, um, there's a lot of cases in in America, America, no, where you start seeing these these teenagers who 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 are all the time on on social media, and then they start being very depressed because they're failing to meet the expectations that are being set. Feels like in social media, I think uh, people strive for perfection, and that creates yes. Um, anxiety for other people creates it's a false perception uh, false perfection sorry um, we can never be perfect and I think uh, uh, this striving for perfection is the is the, is the problem there no? um, I think before we accept that we can never be perfect you know that's one of the things that I work with my clients you know it's, uh, sometimes I ask them the question are you perfect you know and, and, and most of the time they just stop and what question are you asking me but uh, are you perfect? And I said, no, of course I'm not. So why are you being so hard on yourself, for example? You know, and yes. there they freeze most of the time, you know, um, because we, we, we try and function from, from that, you know. A quote I, I really like is that um, do try fit what you want to do in 10 years into six months, mm. but you won't manage to make make the work of 10 years into six months, but you'll be much further than if you set six months to it. Mm. So if, Someone is in constant uh, r- trying to reach perfection, mm-hmm. and someone is just content with how they're leading their life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is there um, a the balance w- in exactly between? What, you're trying what to is say, exactly yeah. what is the the middle ground where I don't beat myself up if I don't reach my goals versus uh, okay. taking uh, it too easy yeah. and just going with the flow and. Okay. Not living my life to the fullest at yes, the end yes. of it. Okay, of course, there needs to be a, a balance about how, how hard I push myself into getting the goals that I need. So, of course, if I have an, an exam coming up and I want to do well in my career, I have to study, I have to do the work. You know, um, I think the key difference there is how I treat myself in doing that. Okay, so if I'm constantly saying myself, I will not make it, I need to make harder, I need to, that's a, that becomes a problem. You know, but if 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 the way I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to myself in a way. Oh, okay, uh, okay, Benjamin, I can do this. It's hard, but I'm trying to do this. Okay, or it's okay to take a break here. You know, uh, it's okay to rest for a while. You know, um, don't give up. I would I would try to do better next time. You know, that's key. Okay, how do I talk to myself? Um, how how do I uh, how how do I relate to myself? What expectations do I do I have of myself? Is it my expectations or is, are those coming from, from society, from parents, from whatever? What am I trying to get here? Why is this important for me? What makes this important for me? Whatever I'm trying to get, you know? Um, th- that makes a big difference, you know? Research also shows, um, in, interestingly enough, that it's not how much work you put. For example, this is research in sports, uh, for example. It's not just how much effort I do, but my perception of that workout. So, for example, if I've done uh, not a very intense workout, okay, but I'm happy with uh, how the the workout went, I'm I'm, I'm okay with that, you know. Uh, I I I'd say okay, I did a good workout, it was not that intense, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was a good. I felt good in my body. Um, 
maybe next time I can notch it out, take it up a notch. And my body, but my body today couldn't take that high intensity. So I'm okay with that. That usually, it, it translates better. Of course, not only, it doesn't take just one workout. Of course, it's the mindset, right, I'm talking about. But the um, research shows that uh, over the course of time, of course, you know, that is much more effective than when you're having very good workouts, right, uh, but you're not happy with them. Okay. Okay. So uh, you can do you can do technically better workouts, okay, or more intense, for example. But if my perception is that, oh my God, this was so hard, I I barely managed it, or um, this was not good enough, you know, I need to do more of this, you know. So instead of one, I'd rather make two of these uh, every week, for example, you know. Physically, you might be able to handle that. Okay, uh, but over the, the term of a long time, that will be less efficient, less effective over the course of time in actually achieving your goals. So it's also how I perceive and how I how I um, process mentally what I what I do that makes a big difference. Okay, I think so. We had a lot that we talked about. There could be a lot more. Can we close off on one other point? Sure. Um. Uh, the physical connection we mentioned at the very beginning it was one of the first points ah, okay. mm. um, um so let's consider people who um uh, i don't know are in a relationship with friends family um uh, lovers overseas mm-hmm. long distance relationships mm-hmm. how is that relationship how can that be translated in a way where i can get the feeling of a 30 second hug Mm-hmm. Is how, how where's the middle ground in that? Is it is it difficult? Is it easy to carry out a long distance relationship? Or <laughs> how do you go about it? Um, okay, um, interesting question. Um, um, at the end of the day, if 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 you if you if you are in a relationship with someone, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It might work for some people. It might work, you know. But if 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 I need to be with someone, I also need to be physically with them. Uh, at some point, so if it's you know, uh, I need to go study for three years, for example. That's one thing. But if I'm constantly, you know, thirty years down the line, how am I going to be in this relationship, for example? You know, um, how can I? So okay, you can show love to a person in many different ways. You know, I can say I love you. I can I can send you an emoticon with a hug uh, in it or a gif, um, whatever. You know, I can do a lot of different ways, you know. Uh, but of course, we are also human. <laughs> we, we have that uh, um, physical physical element, you know. Um, and, and maybe one should ask also, what is the purpose behind uh, behind this, this relationship? Uh, what, what am I getting out of, this, out of this relationship if it's a long-term one? Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work necessarily. I'm not an expert on this, to be fair. Uh, but, but, but one needs to answer. Um, to be comfortable, I, th- I think as long as you're comfortable with it and you're getting what you need, and you're getting what you need, you know, uh, from from the relationship. But um, from a physical, from a physical point, definitely that that part is quite missing, you know. Um, so if you know, I show my face, it's not the same if I if, if we're next to each other, you know. Um, it's, it's very different. So Ben, if you had to tell the viewers um, that might be going through something where they might need to seek help themselves mm-hmm. or maybe their friends, mm-hmm. what would you tell them and how, how would they go about seeking help? 
Give them three brief points. <laughs> okay. Be concise. Okay. So first of all, uh, I think it's um, uh, to take courage. Okay. It, it takes courage to seek help, uh, especially men. <laughs> especially men. All right. Um, for us men, it's it's harder to, to to seek help for a lot of different reasons. We don't have time to go into them. Um, but yes, for us men, it's harder to admit that we're going through a problem and that we cannot do it alone. Okay. It's harder. Um, so take courage, okay? There's a lot of help out there, okay? Um, one just needs to look for it, okay? There's, 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 there is exposure on media on how you can get help, okay? Um, internet is a very um, easy way on how to seek professional help. It's important to, for it to be professional help, okay? And make sure you also see um, the, the qualifications of the person, you know, that, 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 that you're... Uh, and maintain it. Okay, and um, that is also another thing because some people come, come once, twice. I feel better. I I, I don't come anymore. It's not just a question of 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 one or two sessions. Sometimes it is, you know. Sometimes you just need to clarify something, but it's also important to maintain at least not not just go for therapy long time. I'm not saying that, but it's also important to make mental health a priority. Okay, um, so avoid things that uh, will. Will negatively impact your your mental health, and take healthier habits. Okay, um, go into sport, go into music, go into culture, uh, make friends, good friends, um, seek help, seek or seek healthier friends. Okay, um, be people who make you feel well, um, not not temporarily make you feel well, not not just the people who make you laugh for a little while, right? but people who have um, good values. Okay, who 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 really show you that they care about you, okay? Because this is very important. Um, we're, we're human beings, okay? And also choose an attitude of um, that, that not not putting myself first in the sense of being egotistical, you know. But also, if this is not making me feel right, okay, uh, why am I doing this, right? Um, this should feel this should feel okay, you know. I f- I feel I feel I feel at peace with this. And also, last thing, um, don't be afraid of knowing who you are, of, of discovering who you are. You know, we have so much untapped potential most of the time. You know, so I, I sometimes meet clients who say, oh my, this person is so talented um, in, in this thing. Or this person, not necessarily at drawing, for example, t- talented, but this person has so much potential that they never saw in themselves, you know. Um, so seek out, get to know who you are, um, b- build a relationship with yourself. Um, learn how to control their emotions better, and then learn how to uh, to manage your thoughts. You know, not not for those thoughts or emotions to overwhelm you. You know, um, so, so we're a constant work in progress. Yes, uh, that that is critical. You know, we, we we stop education at some point. We can't you know continue. But um, where do we stop? In, in where do we stop in uh, educating ourselves or learning how? How we are um, functioning, how we f- how, how we control our emotions, how we control our thoughts, how we how we relate to people, you know, uh, how we relate to people, uh, what what people am I being attracted to, uh, what people am I attracting, um, in terms of relationships or friends, all right? Um, why is this happening? You know, so these are things that we need to 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 continue thinking about all the time, right? Or maybe not all the time, but uh, periodically at least, you know, we need to be aware of. You know, how am I growing? Where am I? Li- where am I going in life? What do I want out of my life? You know, uh, what things make me really happy? Not 
for, for a couple of minutes? What things make me really happy? What things am I passionate about and I want to um, do in my life? You know, what what uh, what can I bring to my society? What can I bring to my community? What do can I what can I offer? And if the free question is nothing, then we have a problem. Because you're not seeing something in yourself that you can offer because we all have something to offer in society. Okay. So thank you a lot. You're very welcome. Very, very, very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Lots One of food for thought. Um there's a lot of things that I was reflecting on as well while while he was talking. So, so courage, seeking help, seeking professional help. Um, seeking good friends and good company and always a work in progress as a work in progress never stop working on yourself never is enough and but also not to the perfection point exactly <laughs> thanks for joining us you're very it's welcome been a pleasure you're very welcome um, uh, the viewers will be asking for part two Nick. I can yeah, hear it sure. already <laughs> thank you very much you're welcome, you're welcome. and from single handedly we're 